listening to the Designer Journals with Liv. Yeah, but like art is great. Like I really like visual things. I like making things. I like what things look like. And that to me brings me more joy than listening to things. And welcome to another episode of the Designer Journals. Today's guest is my good friend Candice McAllister. It's quite hard to put into a few words what this girl does. She is so incredibly talented and creative and driven. She was born and raised in Adelaide, moved to Melbourne when she was 18 to study a Bachelor's of Fine Arts Production. Um, she smashed that degree out of the park and graduated with honours, then went on to design sets for the Victorian Opera and State Opera Company of South Australia. Um, She then interned at the Royal Opera House Covent Garden in London. She then moves to London at the end of 2019 and lands a position as a personal assistant to the directors of Rambert Dance. Um, And to cap it off, she also has made two short films, one won an award at the Utah Sundance Festival. And she's just produced another animation film and brought all of her stunning illustrations to life. Um, So lots to unpack. And in this podcast we talk about the similarities in our degrees and hear all about her story of how she made it into the industry um she's got lots of tips and advice and just really insightful stuff um so without further ado let's dive in to the episode (laughs) welcome candace to the podcast on my second episode I'm very excited to be here olivia very excited yeah yeah um you have a lot of interesting stories that I already know, but we will get to revisit for the listeners. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, I love talking about myself. Who doesn't? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, that big head of yours. <laughs> okay. Um, so for the listeners, me and Candice um, are childhood friends, known each other literally our whole lives. Yeah, like practically. <laughs> I was born on the 4th of August. She was born on the 12th. Um, so I'm older, but she's definitely the wiser one. <laughs> um, look, so I guess... look. We could tell stories not for this podcast, Olivia. I know, that's definitely for off air. Um, All right, so um, why don't you, for the listeners, quickly give a little intro about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Um, So I currently live in London. I grew up with Olivia in Adelaide and spent a lot of time kicking about Adelaide with her. And I moved to Melbourne when I was about 18 to study a undergrad degree in costume and set design. From there, I then worked for an opera company for a few years in admin as well as design work. So I would do um, set design for them and costume design as well as just kind of having a full-time job, which was amazing. Um, And then moved to London just over a year ago and now I work for a contemporary dance company in admin still, but I do a lot of side hustles in illustration and design um, as well. So still trying to Mm, figure out where my practice is going, but yeah. Yes, you're always busy. It's definitely always hard to get a hold of you, which is fine. I blame that <laughs> on the time it. zones now. <laughs> yes, but what did you blame when you were in Melbourne? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, I have no excuses. Yeah. Well, let's take it back, um, I guess, to the beginning of which would be uni for you. Um, I remember when you were getting ready to apply to uni, you had, I guess, a portfolio to put together to apply for um, sorry, what uni was it again? I went to the Victorian College of the Arts in Melbourne. Yes, that's so it's right. A, it's yes. a subsidy of um, University of Melbourne and yeah. it's the South Bank campus. Yes. Yeah. So tell us how, um, I guess, you decided on what you were going to do at that time when you were just a little 16, 17-year-old. Yeah, I was I was really lucky. Um, I think like Liv and I, we've done like the same things, haven't we? Like we, we did piano mm. together. We had the yep. same slightly eccentric piano teacher who we both adored but um yes yeah we love him but we kind of we kind of had a bit of a similar journey I don't know how you got into architecture but it would have been around the same time that we kind of both decided that we didn't want to be professional musicians yeah and you know we never spoke about that so me and Candace both studied piano um at the same time um and we ended up in eighth grade together at um the same music teacher and he um was amazing um, Candice yeah, was really was good great. at sight reading. I was really good. What was I? I was my technical side you, was better. Your technical was like amazing. Read. I couldn't yeah. sight read to save my life. I was always amazed um, at how much you could just like bash out. Like you could just practice for hours, and I was like, I'm done on this. But, but yeah, I could like know, pick up music and just read it. 
Do you know why I had to do that though? Because I couldn't sight read, so I had to memorize the entire thing. You had to memorize, and I've not memorized. I don't think I've ever memorized a piece in my life. That's just not my brain. That's insane. I yeah, always thought no, you were I, amazing. I was like, man, Liv's incredible. Like, look at her go. Yeah, but I was like, damn, Candace can pick up anything and just play it. She's incredible. So we both <laughs> just hyped got each different other skills. up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, like, so I, I always did. I thought I wanted to pursue music. But when I told my mum, she was like, you're not going to make any money. Pick something else. And I was like, oh, OK. Um, but then I did eventually realise, um, probably around year 12, that I didn't love classical music the way I probably should have yeah, loved to make it. A if career I was, out to, of it. Yeah, to pursue um, as much as I loved the skill and the um everything that I learnt, um, but I was like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go that. And then we also did get to teach John's students yeah. for a little bit, which kind of yeah, gave me taught at the same I, time. Yeah. Cause I thought I wanted to be a music teacher. And then I did that and I was like, hell no. Yeah, <laughs> no, I did I kind of did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I had a I had a funny journey with it too. Like I, I did so much music as a teenager. Mm. Like it was a huge part of my life. And it wasn't until I was about, I think I was about 16 and I was sitting in a class and my music teacher said, you know, music is the most like beautiful and emotional art form. Mm. And the whole class were like, they, they unanimously agreed. And I sat there and I was like, yeah, but like art is great. Like I really like visual things. I like making things. I like what mm-hmm. things look like. And that to me brings me more joy than listening to things and even now like I'm not a great oral learner like I don't if you tell me information I might forget it if you write that information down if you make it like an infograph if you like tell me to memorize the colors or whatever I am like yes I know (laughs) that but if you're like here's like here's some facts that I'm going to tell you I'm not great with like oral learning I'm such a visual person and it makes me Mm. so happy and so yeah I think I was 16 when I was like this doesn't make me happy. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. what do I do now? And around the same time, my drama teacher said like, it's like next semester, I want you to design the school play. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, it's just because like, you don't have a part for me in the play. Like, I see what you're doing. And he was like, <laughs> no, like I've seen your assignments, Candice, you hand in like costume designs and design work for your assignments. I think you'd really enjoy it. And I was like, yeah, you just don't want to cast me. Me, me, me. And then of course, like I did design it and just, it was the most, like I spent all my time doing it and yeah. I loved it and it made me so happy. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I want to do this. This is what yeah. I want to do. So, so yeah, that was then, like so your then, first, yeah. I like a, take at designing the set like that was your first go at yeah. it yeah 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 it was a show called do come in and it was basically rocky horror picture show but like pg and for like year 11 students um yeah and i remember like i had the whole set was the color of licorice all sorts and <laughs> like it was and my, my teacher he hated it because he was so except he was like mega eccentric and was like there's not it's like your, your color palette is too restricted and i was like what like soft pink aqua yellow black and white is restrictive I was like, these are like, I don't, I'm like, it's not gray and red, like every other set we've ever had. I'm like, and, and so I had to, I had to pick paint samples from him at Bunnings. I think like, I guess where my love affair with Bunnings came from, but <laughs> like going and picking the little sample cards. I was like, these are the colors I want. And he, I remember he didn't keep them as pastel as I wanted them. He amped them all up and I was so mad. I was like, so were you like having these discussions with your teacher? How old are you? 16? Yeah. And you're like battling with him on what colors to choose for the set yeah that's oh my gosh like i was everyone's like favorite and least favorite student at school like it's like sit down hermione but also this is why i teach to inspire young people (laughs) i was that student i mean you've never been afraid to talk or like speak up though that's why me and you were great friends growing up because i was insanely shy and kenneth was just my spokesperson I never thought of you as shy though, which is so funny. Well, I wasn't mm. around you, but if you put us in a group, I'd like yeah. not leave your side. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> ah, I took that for you. Oh <laughs> yes, you showed me the way. All right, so you made it into uni first year. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What were your expectations versus reality? What shocked you and maybe what surprised you? I had the funniest first year of uni. Like, so I moved to Melbourne. Yep. I don't know when, like, when you're 18, like moving to a different city. And I was really lucky because I moved in with my cousins and my auntie and uncle. So I moved from like a family home into another family home. They were like um, the Melbourne version of your family. Yeah, yeah, they are basically (laughs) that. They're amazing and loud and all the rest of it. But they, um, like, it's just you learn so much about yourself when you leave home. Like it's that Mm. real leaving home thing. And it was hard. Like I didn't have any friends in Melbourne and... 
I wanted to pour myself into this uni degree or they, they told me like you can't have a part-time job because you need to be here full-time and you have to you know like they, they just were like this is your life now commit and I was ready for that I was like yes like oh my gosh I get to do that thing at high school that I loved more than anything like all the time and I was keen and then I got there and like for the first semester basically we had like stuff all to do and it was really basic and it was stuff that I was already doing at high school and I was like why am I here wasting my time Mm -hmm. and I had all this spare time and I was really anxious about it because I was like I should get a part-time job but they keep telling me not to they keep saying you need to be available all the time and so I was like okay well I can't get a part-time job so I remember I picked up jobs piano teaching oh my gosh I just remembered that (laughs) I had a few students. Oh, wow. Yeah, I yeah. did. Yeah, I used to walk down to a couple of people's houses and then I was a nanny for a bit with a family a couple of nights a week. Oh, that's and right. Yeah. I just picked it's up weird. that I kind of work. I don't remember you working. Well, you didn't in the, like you didn't work all through uni. You, like, you didn't have a consistent yeah, part-time I, job. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have a part-time job. No, I had like lots of gigs, like gigs. and pickups. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, I like I, I did a couple of comedy festivals like flyering and I did like nannying and piano teaching and then I started like a random school. stuff yeah, yeah I did like yeah. a lot of illustration stuff and otherwise yeah. I, I was lucky because because I'd moved to Melbourne I was studying a certain amount away from Adelaide which meant I got a lot of Centrelink support yeah oh that's right so yes got, that's and you know that's what it's designed for yeah yeah exactly um so I was really really lucky like super privileged in yeah. that way that I didn't have to stress too much about working because yeah. by the end of first year, it had ramped up a lot. And by second, third year, by st- third year, especially like you'd probably be the same, like you spend all the time in the studio, oh, right? Yeah. And, well, I mean, you, like, I didn't, but you should. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess like, so yeah, Liv, we did like similar things at uni in terms yeah, of that's what model I making. Found interesting. Yeah. So like, yeah. I think, I guess both of our, like architecture, set design, um, your analyzing space, like on a stage whereas we're analyzing space and um the environment around us and you're kind of just doing that in your own world but you're literally making up everything as you go and that's like the fun part so it was really interesting just have the fun version of architecture yeah pretty much and though i did hear um some of our in our lecturers that say you know where architecture can lead you into different other fields and you know theater design was one of them um, I've heard about architects ending up and on like um like designing games and like worlds and stuff, you know, and just that yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. spatial awareness. Um, so it was real, always interesting. I mean, I only got to see you two, three times a year. <laughs> um, but when we got together, we would talk about what we were doing, and it was similar. Um, yeah, like the model making, like except you were building a stage, I was building buildings. Um, you were mm-hmm. putting together your portfolio. You were exploring like color and materials and all that sorts of things. And like it was, it's just cra- like we literally were like on the same path, but just like yeah. a few degrees off in like yeah. different little worlds. Exactly. Yeah. I, I just remember, I remember you calling me at some point, and you like cut the top of your finger off, like oh, with a Stanley yeah. blade yeah. and a steel I, um, ruler. That was first year. Did I call? Yes. So I cut my finger. It was like three in the morning, sliced my finger off with the Stanley knife, bled all over my models. Then that's when I realized I passed out at the sight of blood because that was Which so is much amazing to know about yourself. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. So um, I had to, I passed out and I came to knock to my mum's door. I was like, mum, I've cut my finger. And she's like, what? Is it gone? I was like, no, no, but like I need your help kind of thing. Um, and then the most awkward part was how I ended up in hospital and the guy's like how did you do this and I was like I'm an architecture student I sliced my finger open and he just slice your finger like, yeah with a Stanley knife I know because th- Stan- you never snap the blades enough right no and you never like, do because yeah. you, you kind of like especially as a student you've got these like snap blades and you're like I can't either afford to go get blades all the time or more likely I'm too lazy to go get yeah. blades all the time. So you I like, definitely, you cut these. Yeah. I like, use one like, blade blunt. the entire time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then what? I, no, Liv. And then <laughs> oh, first, I know. And then I snapped it and I was just like, oh my goodness, what have I been doing? <laughs> yeah. No. Oh man. The amount of models. And I guess, I mean, it's, I guess we had different senses of model making. Like I was making things in miniature in a sense that I was making tiny bookcases and tables yes. and chairs and things yeah. like really finicky stuff the thing was though for me if it wasn't 100% accurate like 
nothing bad was going to happen just maybe the workshop would be like oi why isn't this right or whatever mm-hmm. but for you guys i feel like yeah. for oh. you guys it probably has to be accurate <laughs> like for set design you're like Mah! it's like close enough you guys but for are you like, it's like a little bit more important yeah it's like your windows are too big and i'm like you know what you're right <laughs> i measured it <laughs> wrong i think working yep. in scale for the first year that oh like my gosh yeah it was a lot to get and you guys were working like one to 20 or something we would i want 25 yeah one to tw- oh my gosh that's awkward um and then, see it's like, like i don't understand how any other scale works <laughs> I, I don't understand how yours works. Um, so I guess the first year we were both just getting grips on like spatial awareness and mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. model making was a huge one for us. Like we literally didn't even draw. We were just like, they're like build models, build as many of them yeah. as you can. Yeah. yeah. And it was grueling, but it was good. Well, there's so many different schools of thought too when it comes to design. I think everyone finds their own rhythm in it. And especially now so much is done online like you would yep. do a lot of CAD drafting I can imagine like I did yep. I did yep. CAD drafting but in um like a program called Vectorworks which is like specific yep. for theatre designing yeah um but there's so many things like for me I've always loved drawing like mm-hmm. I love illustrating I love drawing and that's what I do a lot more of now because I have like control over it right like I don't have to have a company commissioning me I can just do things for myself all the time but um at the same time, like, I remember there being like, you know, don't spend, when it comes to set design specifically, don't spend too much time in 2D because you're not dealing with 2D. Oh my gosh. They told us the same thing all the time. They're like, get off the page and make a model. And I'm like, no, but yeah. it's due in a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't want to cut my finger off again, please. Like, don't make me do this. Yeah. I was always very hesitant to explore. Like, I would only make my models, like, when I'd finished my design, you know, which was just the way yeah. I worked. Um, yeah. But I can... I, I didn't explore enough, mostly because I was time poor and I'm just like, I'm going to do my drawings and then I'm going to build my model. Yeah. 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 I'm going to do this the way around that makes sense. <laughs> oh, I know. Like looking, like just doing this whole process and looking back at, um, you know, education, how I, yeah, I was honestly such a wreck in the first few years, but you know, I stumbled my That's through. where we were really different, I think. Oh, you thrived, yeah. And you've always been so organised and list-making, whereas I was like, mm, it's due in 48 hours, I'll start now. <laughs> and I think I think that's – I never did that with any of my projects. I'm trying to think of – I did do something recently that was that. It was a – I think I had a commission – and it was just like a, I draw, I draw buildings sometimes, right? Like facades yeah, of buildings and, and yeah. things. Yeah. And someone had commissioned me and I said I'd get it done by a certain month. And it was like two months past that day. And they're like, hey, just wondering if you've posted that, that drawing. And I was like, oh my goodness, I completely forgot it. And so I spent like the next 48 hours, like just yeah. being like, yeah, yeah, I spent ages on this. Don't you just love that panic feeling? That's what I was through mm-hmm. for six mm-hmm. years. That was me. Yeah, no thanks. No thanks. You know, it's so funny. So, yes, yeah, so I finished my degree and then I yeah. um, I got a job at the opera. And that was amazing because um, I was in what, what's called company management. So when you mm-hmm. work for an arts company, company management deals with the company. So the artists that you have coming in. In opera, that's a lot of international artists or a lot of local artists that work on a freelance basis. Mm-hmm. Um with the dance company that I work for now, they're a full-time like set of 20 dancers. So they're like work a little bit different. Um, so I was in company management and then two months into working, my boss turned to me and said, oh my gosh, like um, my costume and set designer for the school show has dropped out. Like they've pulled out, they've had to, they've had to decline the contract. I just don't know what to do. And I was like, he's oh, one of those moments, right? Where I'm like, do I take this opportunity to say, I'm a designer, I can do this, or do I just sit and wait my turn? So do they not know like, that you were a designer? They knew I was a designer because I'd made models for them before. I'd made right, their set models. Yeah, yeah yes. that's how I kind of got into that gig. But um, I'd made them some models before. And so she knew I was a designer, but she hadn't asked me. She didn't say, Candice, can you do this? She just said, wait, so I don't know what to do. You didn't get that job. You didn't show them your portfolio, I guess, because you were applying for a, like an admin role. Yeah, I just had a, I applied for, with a CV and like a cover letter for wow, an admin role yeah, and then like I went through standard, yeah yeah I went through interviews and they gave me a shot and I was set up to just be an admin person and then yeah my boss they they couldn't find anyone and so I said to her look I know I'm probably not like ready to design a full show and I know that I've just graduated so it might not be what you're looking for but I'd love to give you some sketches and give you some ideas of how we could make it work and mm-hmm. she was like okay like she was not hesitant I think 
secretly that's what she wanted but she didn't like let on how did she um, take it was she did she play hardball with you and was like oh okay no she was really at that point she was like yeah she's like if you could that would be really helpful yeah of course i do not expect anything from this so Mm -hmm. i went away that weekend like cancelled all my plans listened to the show redesigned the show like did a hundred sketches came back to her with basically a full design presentation because i was like i'm not letting this slip i was like this you pull an all-nighter for that I did pretty late. Yeah. Yeah. It was something like that. I'm sure. So I went back to her after the weekend and said, Hey, look, here's some ideas. Um, do not, I don't expect you to do anything with them. And she looked through them and she thought about it and she was like, brilliant. She's like, do you want the gig? And I just was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is my five year career goal happening in three months of graduating. Is that the first show that we saw? Did I come over for that? No, same, same venue. Um, this one was Cinderella. This was Cinderella. Was Cinderella, oh right, we saw French the, opera. Um, the... And it's just like it's just a kids' opera, right? Yeah. Like it's a little baby. Yeah. It's like forty-five minutes, and it's like super sweet. But um, I just remember being like, oh my gosh, I did it! So from mm. that gig, got another gig. Then the next year, got a few more gigs. I was a resident designer with them for a while, like a um, not resident, a developing artist designer. But basically and this is like on top of your full-time admin role. Yeah. Which I oh I did gosh. not put the two and two together until years later when you explained it to me. I was like, yeah. wait, what? You're not just the designer? No. You're oh my doing gosh. That, both? that first gig I got though, I felt like the biggest imposter. Like I spent every you day going. You would not going, have known though. You- oh, I was, I was so, I don't, I don't remember being that stressed for a while. Like I would, I would work like, I don't know, like nine to three or whatever on, at the desk in the office. And then I go across to costume and work like three till 9 PM or 10 yeah. PM just doing that. And I had these women around me that were incredible sewers, right? Like they were mm-hmm. these incredible women and they were like, do you want like a, do you want like a French roll? Like, do you want French seam? Do you want it like pleated? How, what kind of pleat do you want? Do you want like Dupion silk? Do you want Duchess silk? And I was just like, yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I went through the same thing at work when they're like, what kind of door handles you want? I was like, sorry, what? You mean they don't just come with the handles on yeah, the door the square already? Ones? I don't know. Like do you, uh, what? <laughs> the ones that open the door, like surely there's nothing more to this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can yeah. totally relate. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's imposter syndrome though. And so I just, I fought through it. I was so tired. Oh my gosh. I remember being so tired that season. Cause I don't think I, I spoke had... to you for months when you were. Yeah. I think like, I went underground. Why. Yeah. I just went underground yeah. for like a long time. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. so worth it. So then, yeah. So that, that I had a whole bunch more gigs until it led me to, um, and they were all little gigs, right? They were like school mm-hmm. shows, community shows. In my last, in 2018, um, so how long? How, how long? So I, I, since you, yeah, since you started, yeah. So I started in 2016. So this is probably halfway through 2017. Yep. My boss Ooh, comes my to me. That's my final year. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> um, my boss comes to me again, and she's like, "Oh, I'm doing the 2018 season," and she's like. I'm really stuck with this show. It's a Debussy opera. And I just, we don't know if we should make it semi-stage, like with the budgets. We don't, we, I just don't know what to do with it. And I said, oh, same, same boss. I was like, look, I don't know if I'm ready for a main stage yet, but I'll go away this weekend. I'll come up with some designs for you. I don't expect you to give it to me, but you know, I'll, I'll give it a go. And she's like, okay, yeah. that would be really helpful. Cause I don't, I yeah. don't know which designer would suit this, this show. Went away, cancelled my plans, let myself in the house, watched the opera three times, designed the whole came back to her on the Monday and said, okay, Libby, here we go, here's everything. And she was like, great. She's like, okay, we'll go to Richard's house. So Richard's like the artistic director. He's like, we'll go to Richard's house tomorrow and you have to pitch it to him. And I was like, oh, okay. So we went to this cafe in Brunswick and I sat down with him and this opera was French and the whole time he just sat there like talking to me in French and I'd, in be, French. I'd be like yeah he, I was like this is you know the well scene he's like oh we oui. yes the jeu de Boulou scene <laughs> and I was like sure Richard um so this this turns left and there's three platforms and they rotate on this they're two meters high and that that should work the specs and I said we're going to use some rigging and we're going to use a kabuki drop and he was like oh yes we blah 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 and I was like Richard English please like like, I'm so stressed right now please don't make this any harder for me by putting it in a different language um so yeah and so he he said yes he said yes and so then I in the end of 2018 I did my first main stage which means that it's like you know it was a proper grown-up opera and it yes. got reviewed in the papers and things like that. So, did you do a radio inter- interview for that? 
Yeah, I think I did. I yeah. remember hearing something. Yeah. Oh, I've done you. a few bit. I've done so many weird radio things that I've kind of forgotten them because radio you don't have like a I'm a visual learner okay I don't have it written down somewhere I forget (laughs) oh man like you just like Tamir that entire time you're just constantly like working you're constantly drawing like your Instagram page is full of just you like you just throw everything out there and you give it all a go and you know even to the point where you've recently just made an animated film I can't even. <laughs> yes. Like I was like, of course you have. Of course you have. Lockdown. So, Woo. <laughs> I know. Okay. All right. Well, let's um talk a little bit about talk about how um you wrapped up with your first job in Melbourne and then your transition um to the London um saga yeah. that you're in now. Yeah. Yeah. The big the big leap. I think that everyone is going to have points in their life where they have to make a bit of a leap or make like a couple of brave decisions, and mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a few for me. And we talk about this too, like you and I, about those kind of moments of like, okay, is this the point where I get a full-time job and work for a while? Or is this Mm -hmm. the point that I work on other endeavors? Or maybe like I want to have a family or maybe I want to move to New York. Like, and you have to like decide what... we've got that dream in common. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, right? We'll see you there. Um, (laughs) But for me, like I'd wrapped up at the, op- I kind of just got to a point at the opera where my admin job wasn't that fulfilling anymore. Like it was fine, but I just, I'd, 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 I'd learned what I could from the company and I just kind of grown out of it and I loved them so much. And I'm like, I was sad to leave them, but I realized like the kind of gigs I wanted to get design wise, I would have to leave mm-hmm. to be able to come back. Cause I couldn't keep doing full-time admin and design yep. work at the same time. It just wasn't sustainable and it wasn't, it wasn't honoring either role well in the end mm-hmm. um and so I was like well I've got a British passport because my dad was born there which is super handy it was even <laughs> handier before Brexit but anyway um <laughs> so I said okay like I had a whole bunch of things lined up and I ended up choosing London and um I came over with like lots of savings like I'd saved a lot oh yeah, and, I've um, always been good at that I could always let um count on you for 20 bucks yeah yeah exactly yeah I'm really lucky again <laughs> Just, I don't know. I see, You're just I see, so like, traditional. You have been from the beginning. Like, yeah. I'm disciplined now, but it took me a long time. And if anything, I'm going backwards in discipline. I'm like, I'll just buy that. Just why oh, not? I'm, like, I'm so glad to hear that. Life is so Candace, depressing right live now. Live a little. Oh, seriously. Yes. You need a bit of that. <laughs> Whatever makes you happy. Um, exactly. But no, so I moved over and I came over. I had an internship at the opera here. It was so terrible. So you did a stint in London first, like to try it yeah. out. Yeah. 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 I did a stint in 2018, um, yeah. just before I did Peleus, which was my big mm-hmm. opera. So I came over here and worked at the Royal Opera House um, in their Linbury team. And that so was like, like an exchange between your companies, right? Yeah. 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 So I kind of lined it all up and I got a scholarship to pay for it all, which was brilliant. Um, Mm -hmm. and then came over, worked on this show that we were meant to present in Melbourne and for a whole bunch of different reasons we didn't. Um, and then went to London. Yeah. Came back to London the second time, applied for a whole bunch of jobs. Didn't get one for a while, freaked out, panicked, thought I had no skills. It wasn't that that long though that you... It was two months. That feels like forever. I know in the time, but it's, it in the was grand nothing. scheme of things, yeah, I know. It was How, nothing. And you like, and I, we're I not very patient just, people, so that's a very no, long time. No, no, that's <laughs> absolutely true. It, like, And so that's the thing. For two months, I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have actually enjoyed having nothing to do for two months. Instead, I was like, ah, I don't have a job, I don't have a job. And yeah, so, we, um, can't, we can't do that. We're just not those people. Yeah, can't. Yeah, no, no, need to have a job, <laughs> need to have a thing to do. And this is why yes. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to go freelance because I'm always like, but where is the job? like you need Whereas, the constant yeah. flow yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's just the financial stability that one day I'll have to let go of if I want to be a full-time mm-hmm. whatever it is I want to be yeah yeah <laughs> still don't really it's, know it's funny I was like oh Ken, I'm talking to Kaz I'm like she's got so many like titles I'm like what do I put down you just I literally I was I like costume someone... set theater designer illustrator now animator yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, to, I kind of pinpointed it the other day that I was like I guess I just I really like telling stories so mm. I guess I would say like I'm just like a visual storyteller like Should I, I just put that on Instagram storyteller Ken McAllister yeah <laughs> I love telling that's, stories that's lovely do that's it. so just ah oh, bright yeah I'm like I'm like that's kind of I just that's what I do everything I do like and I think 
it's funny when you talk about architecture because some buildings do tell stories and some oh, buildings and have a narrative. Talk. Yeah, you know, you yeah. know, like they do have a narrative. I think every person has a narrative in their own story. Like they they have their own life, and so. For me, when I do costume design, it's finding that story to be able mm-hmm. to make them dress that way. When I do set design, it's how do you tell a three-hour story on a budget of X with a set with a stage that is so constrained. Like a stage design is a it's a it's a proscenium arch, generally speaking. Like mm-hmm. a proscenium arch, yep. you've got you look through a window into a world, and that world is really limited. So it's a challenge to be like, well, how do you say we're under the sea when we can't be in water? We can't have real seaweed. It's like so. How do you represent that to an audience? And that's the challenge that I love. And I think with illustration too, it's like you have one image to be able to engage people with and, and feel mm-hmm. something. And so how do you put that into one image? And then recently I've expanded that into animation. So, okay, I've got three minutes to tell a proper story now, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's something I did in lockdown. So yeah, yeah, came to London, got the job at the dance company, which is amazing. Yep. I'm a, I'm a PA. That's kind of my job. I'm like Anne Hathaway and Devil Wears Prada. That like, is I, so cool. That is such a yeah, vibe. It's, Oh my gosh, it's so fun. Like some days it's the worst, but I've got two I've got two Meryl Streeps. So I don't have just the one, I've got two of them. And I actually really enjoy working with both of them. They're great. But um when I first started I was terrified of them. Because like yeah. I'm in London and these are like the CEO and artistic director of a of a massive company in London. Yes. And one my best ever was Prada moment was um my boss, she's like, We had an opening night before COVID. The one opening night I got to go to it was at the Royal Opera House. It was like Amazing. all these fancy people. And she was like, Candice, um, for the for the choreographer tonight, I really need to get her this perfume. She's like, I wear Chloe Nomad perfume. And she always compliments me on it. So I really want to get her that perfume. I'm pretty sure you can just get it at Covent Garden. It's like, cool. No worries, no worries. I looked. Chloe Nomad had just been released like the month before. It was only mm-hmm. available at the flagship store on Old Bond Street. There's one place in London you can get it. And it is the flagship Chloe store on Old Bond Street. So I'm literally like trekking around London being like, I can't find this perfume. And so I go into this, like, again, like this is to give you an idea, Old Bond Street in Adelaide would be like, I mean, you don't, you don't even have. I don't, don't even try. Like I, like I am not from there. Oh, Cass, you've like, forgotten where you're from. I know where I'm from. But um, like, you know, this is like the high end, the highest of the high end. There's Alexander McQueen, there's Vivian Westwood, there's mm-hmm. Gucci, Prada, Dolce Baga- yeah. Gabbana. Yeah. Like they're all on this road and there's Chloe. Yeah. And so I walk in and I like, just did not belong there. And they were like, can we help you? I'm like, yes, I'm looking for Chloe Nomad. And they're like, oh, excellent. Please come this way. And so, you know, and, and I bought, and, I, and my her card bounced. So I had to pay for it myself. It was like a hundred dollar bottle of perfume. And I was like, I have to get it for her. And, they, and they're like, is it for you? And I was like, oh, in dreams. Like, <laughs> It is not for me. Um, so I took, Does it look like it's for me? <laughs> it was like an hour and a half or two hours later because London is massive. I get back to the office and I'm like, here you go. And she's like, oh, was it not just across the river? I said, no, there's only one place in London you can get it. She's like, oh. I was like, and also you owe me a hundred bucks. <laughs> I just felt like Anne Hathaway like swanning around like London being like, oh, I need to get this very special brand. So very funny. Oh my goodness. That is perfect. I love that your life you know, has just given you so many of these crazy experiences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's great. And then, and then obviously COVID hit. So now yes, I wo- I've been working from home. So let's dive into yeah. that. The old uh, COVID, it's not going anywhere and it's still here. So I, I honestly mm-hmm. just felt so sorry that this happened. You know, you move over there, it's meant to be your big break. And, you know, you have had that in some sense, but it's like you haven't gone out, been able to go out and just like live the London life. I know. I got to go to Paris last November uh yep. two November's gosh like a year and a half ago um so I got my job and once I got the job I did two things I bought a Vivian Westwood woolen coat it was yep. the most beautiful <laughs> piece of clothing that I own and <laughs> I went to Paris for a couple of days yeah and because I like I just like in terms of like architecture Paris is just like uh, my just favorite place Europe in the world general like it's just yeah. I can't wait to get my hands on it yeah yeah come it's so great over here oh yeah um, just in a few years yeah. maybe <laughs> well yeah so I just jump on a plane <laughs> impossible um so yeah I I started working and I hit my three-month probation mark at work mm-hmm. and I sat down uh, at the National Theatre with my line manager and we had a, a cake and we had to sanitize our hands and we sat down and we had like we had to clean the table and stuff and she was like well this virus is pretty real, 
but at the same time she's like you know you've made it to three months we want to keep you like we really love you like please stay I was like that's brilliant the next day we went into lockdown um and we like oh within the week I can't remember the timeline but we all started working from home in March very quick yeah very quick we got it we had like three months of hard lockdown which was like you know the first one yeah the first one like none of the shops were open like supermarkets and chemists were open you weren't allowed out of 5ks around your zone yeah um what was the vibe of the city like was everyone pretty concerned like you know and you have a few housemates as well were you all I guess yeah what was was it like it was just it was just strange it was like the streets were so quiet I cycled and this into is central London, London like the and busiest place this on is Earth. London yeah. yeah and it just was weird and we just what would happen is every day at five o'clock the prime minister would do an announcement and like mm-hmm. say something new about what was happening and so we'd all sit down at, before when it was at work we'd gather around someone's laptop like everyone would stop meet work, working meetings the rehearsal studio would stop we'd all watch around a laptop as we'd mm-hmm. be like, okay, this is happening, you know, and then we'd watch on the telly. So when we went, we went about three months in that lockdown. And then by the summer, things started loosening up again. Yep. And my company did a really great live stream production from the studios. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was awesome. It was so great. And so I got a bike and now I cycle everywhere. So <laughs> I, I'd cy- I cycle an hour into work and I go into Hyde Park, around to Buckingham Palace, past Big Ben, round past the London Eye, and then I'm at work behind the National Theatre. And every time I'm like, oh my gosh, look at my life. Um, And in the (laughs) summer, it was like the most beautiful thing. So we did that. And then by October, we got put in our second lockdown. And in in the non-lockdowns, like you could only ever meet up to six people. You couldn't have anyone in your house. Yeah. You had to book if you ever wanted to go to like a museum or an art gallery. The theatres never reopened cinemas opened for a bit there eventually it got to like gyms being open and then it started winding back and slowly slowly things started closing again then by october we were in another hard lockdown that lasted a month and then we came out in november for a little bit of christmas shopping and then by december they closed everything down cancelled christmas and we've been in lockdown ever since and there's no sign of it opening up until maybe easter that is so heartbreaking and you when you went to london you like we're planning at least one trip back home um, to see your family. Yeah. And, yeah. And so it's just been the craziest time. How has this affected like the creative sphere? Because you guys thrive on putting shows on. Like, what does this, and you know, I know you kind of maybe concerned about your position specifically, but yeah, well, how is the industry dealing with this? Yeah. It's, it's interesting because everyone is adapting like a lot, I, I have a little um, catch up with a couple of other PAs in different companies, dance companies in London, and everyone is finding ways to keep going. Um, but it's, at, I think the whole thing for everyone, like personally and industry wide and for everyone is like, we're all exhausted. Mm-hmm. Like we're exhausted that the rules keep changing and that we keep getting put in these lockdowns. And like you you make these plans. Like I had plans to go to Cornwall for New Year's. That all got cancelled. I had plans to go to my friend's house for Christmas. Couldn't do that. Like yeah. going to one person's house for Christmas. And you're just yeah. like, why do I even bother making plans? But for the industry, I think like we're doing all these live streams, you know, mm-hmm. and there's so much online content and people are still managing to create. But the day that we can actually get back into theatres, we such a good day. I know. <laughs> and like... Does that just seem like a really far away yeah. time at this stage? I mean, we keep we keep saying like maybe the summer, which maybe. is your winter. So like maybe yeah. by June, hopefully, but maybe by May. We're, mm. we're hoping by May. Yeah. What but does it you mean kind for, of, yeah. um, like obviously you still have a job, which is amazing and yeah. super good. But like, what about, you know, dancers? Like, does the, so has we, their hours just get cut or something? Well, um, here we have the furlough scheme. So I think in, in Australia, it's like the um, job, the job retention keeper. scheme, yeah, job keeper. Yeah. yeah. So we had furlough. So all of our dancers got put on furlough, but yeah. we, our company paid them. Um, like, I think we paid the whole wage instead of the yeah. 80%. Um, so yeah, all of our dancers are on furlough. Half of our company was on furlough. Um, and yeah, so that, then they came back for the live streams and there has been things to work on, like between the live streams and a couple of television appearances and like, they're doing a lot of creation for the future so mm-hmm. things that are like coming up and and workshopping so it's it's good because there is an exemption that means here that professional dancers are still allowed to travel to a workplace to work because they accept okay. that 
you can't work from home as a professional yep. dancer. Yeah. But it's been hard nice. for them. Yeah, it's like it's, it's hard for everyone yeah. in weird ways. Like you're either overworked because your whole company's been furloughed and you're like the skeleton crew still going mm-hmm. or your company has diversified and moved online, which is a lot of a lot of places have done that. Um, not necessarily arts companies, but other companies that can kind of move online. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just weird and it's exhausting and we're just done. We're all freaking done with it. I know. I, I seriously feel for you. And I kind of like, it's crazy because, I mean, Adelaide, we're in a bubble. Well, most Australia is mm. doing like really well considering. And yeah. but I mean, like the construction industry, like I was telling you this entire time, like we got so busy. I mean, a That's lot. So good, but weird. It is good and weird, but and I guess it's because people aren't traveling they're like oh now i'll spend money on my house and do that design and like so it's just been slammed um you know which we're grateful for um but yeah just to hear that you guys on the other side of the world in the creative sphere you know our worlds you know are in parallel universes basically yeah Yeah. and you guys are struggling and we're booming it's just such a weird thing to say in one sentence i mean it is but like the arts are always precarious like you guys you don't you don't go into them going I'm going to be really stable for the rest of my life I guess that's what <laughs> you, you, you go want. into it because you love it you know exactly and, and you I like really, it and- yeah and I think in terms of when we were finding ourselves the difference between your like our successes like I really struggled at the first part of my degree and it mm-hmm. was for a bunch of reasons but also I hadn't found that love for architecture yet Whereas yeah. for you, you just always knew that's what you're going to do. So you were driven the entire time. And, yeah, you know, that it makes a big difference. Yeah, otherwise, yeah, for sure. Otherwise, I don't know. Yeah, because you have to really want it, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I think had, it's like with, yeah. with architecture, like you have to yeah. you have to work hard for it. You can't just skim your way through. Like you oh, actually no. have to work for it. Yeah, I think that's where our um, industry is kind of aligned because there's mm. really, there's no hiding. Like if the work's not done it will very quickly fall apart because yeah. you won't have answers to the questions that yeah, well, exactly. you wouldn't have figured and out I don't the know, building or something. Yeah, I don't know if it's like this for you, but I find like a lot, especially when I'm doing set design. So people often ask me like, do I like costume or set design better? Yeah. And I, I say I find costume design easier, but I like set design more. I don't know if it's like this in architecture, but it's like, it's like giant problem solving. Yeah. Right. Like you mm-hmm. have this idea Yep. And you're like, well, we're going to do it this way. And then yep. someone's like, yeah, but you can't because this. And you're oh, okay, that's cool. So we'll just do it this way. And you're like, that's great. But now you're crashing into that. Oh, okay, okay. So if we just raise it up a meter, it's like, okay, well, now your sight lines from the top balcony are, are screwed. Oh, and my like, goodness. Okay, great. We, had, like, we have similar conversations. It's like, how is this building yeah. going to float without it, like, seeing all the columns? Like, we just need yeah, to make the yeah. illusion that this is bigger than it actually is. Yeah. Wait, like, oh, we'll, just put, you, we'll just put a door through there and you're like yeah but you can't because then <laughs> exactly. you're like you ruin the structural integrity and you're like okay can we just put it 20 centimeters to the left well you could but then you're actually crashing into that other thing and like yeah. it's like this constant it's like a rubik's cube when you're doing those designs and you're just oh like gosh, trying we just to need to like, like switch places for a day and i feel like we've just like yeah way through <laughs> yeah yeah and she's like no 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 it's fine i think for me some of the most intimidating times i've had is having to go out to the workshop though i don't know if you ever go on site for construction or anything I'm not not very often because i'm still pretty green but yeah i just stand yeah. there and smile I know it's it's terrifying but I I go out and I've had to go out to the workshop because in costume now I've done it for so many years that I'm like I know what I want like yes of course I want the dupe on silk because it's crispier and I want the vibrant color and I want the you know of course I want the like the the taffeta like you know I'm like I know what I want but when I go out to the workshop I'm like oh yep yeah that's uh yep yeah one of those Mm -hmm. yep (laughs) and I'm like oh my goodness are you gonna fit these two bits of wood together yeah bit of glue Bit of glue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's much better when I, when I get to the painters. It's great because with the painters, I'm like, oh, brilliant. No, no. Can you do more of this? I want more texture here. So can you like pull this out? this is interesting. You have like, we have a construction team to build our buildings. And I, I never occurred to me, you have the exact same for your stages. Yeah. Our set designs, like someone has to make them. I'm, I mean, I've made things before. I've made set designs. I can do it. My last gig in Adelaide, actually, I made a lot of that set and I painted it all myself. Mm-hmm. And that was with the state opera in Adelaide. And I did a lot of that kind of stuff. So again, the more every gig you do, the more you learn, right? Like every house you 100%. design, everything you like, you, you get these experiences. And so you can go in and, and, 
now when I go to the builders, I know a little bit more about what I'm talking about. And I'm yeah. also not afraid to ask anymore because at the beginning I was like, I ca- they can't know, I don't know. But now I'll just be like, okay, can you explain to me the difference between a French joint and an angle joint? Mm-hmm. You know? And they'll be like, oh, this and this. Okay, great. No, in that case, I definitely want what I said yeah. like the first time. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, okay, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, well, there's a reason for it because A, B and C. And they'll yeah. be like, okay. And, you know, and they try and sometimes they're sneaky and they'll try and negotiate with you and be like oh but I think you really want this and you'll be like "Mm, no no I actually don't there's a reason I've done it this way you know yeah so I think that's probably the biggest um learning curve like when you go to unit you you get all the skills and the foundations I guess to do the design and crafty thing but then you get sent out into the real world and I've found a lot of it has come down to communicating with other people and your colleagues because oh my gosh yeah, communication. And you know I mean, that's that, all. That's yeah. all design is. Design is like communication. Yeah, with it's people. like I, I see it in my head. Now I need to tell you about it, but I can't remember all the fancy names for all the parts. So yeah, now yeah. I look silly and like I don't know what I'm saying. Well, and that's <laughs> the thing. Like that's why that's that's why you make models. It's why you do plans. It's why you do CAD drafting. Exactly. You can say, look at my picture, or look this at is this what thing. you're getting. This is yeah. this is what you're getting. And what always man, like what blows my mind is, like for me because I'm such a visual person, I can see a plan, I can see a model, and go, yep, I know exactly how that's going to work. That makes sense to me. I've shown models to people before. And like, they just don't see what I see and it blows my mind. Like I'll just be there and they're like, so in theatre, we do something called a white card model. Yep. I actually don't believe in white card models because I'll tell you why. Architecture school, but you know. What's that? We did not use any coloured, not very often. Our, all our models were always white or like, you know, mm-hmm. laser cut wood. No, yeah. like you would print out your brick hatches and stick them on your model. Whereas you wouldn't yeah. do that. In in I know. Whereas in, in it's set, conceptual. In, yeah, yeah. In stage design, it's detail, right? Yep. It's not necessarily conceptual. It's detail. I remember I had this white card model presentation once, and I presented to the artistic director. I said, "Here it is," and he goes, "Oh, it's very white." And I was like, "Richard, like," and I had like a mood board with all the colors and the paint samples. I'm like these are the colors I've just told you this and he was like oh is that going on the set and I was like how do you not see this but people don't like people just Mm. it's my job to see it and so now whenever I do presentations now I try and make it as like pointedly accurate as possible so that they can like and how much more work does that create for yourself (laughs) well I mean in the long run less because then when you get to the theater and they go oh my gosh it's blue I thought it was white I don't like it you can at least turn around and be like, no, it's always been blue. Have a look at the model. Like it's blue, you know, <laughs> whereas if you have a white card, you can be like, I can see how you were mistaken. <laughs> Even though I told you verbally, maybe you too are not a, a verbal learner. And that would be the equivalent of us, I guess, not drawing a detail for a certain window detail and being like, well, how was I supposed to know how you wanted it? Because you never drew it for me. So it's like, yeah. mm, I understand. Yeah. I understand. You're like, I mean, it's obvious to me. It's obvious yeah. to me. When and you're the designer, costume. you know every part of it. Yeah. So you just assume everyone else does when they don't. You just assume people can see it, but they can't see it. And it just, yeah, it always blows my mind. So that's something I've learned mm-hmm. throughout my kind of career so far is like, design is about communication you are trying to communicate something with someone and you can have like a whole supporting you can have as many things to support it and so you can have mood boards drafting plans models anything you can just throw this at people to be like this is why this is the supporting Mm -hmm. reasons of what it will look like Mm -hmm. and the best part is like compared to uni as you start doing professional gigs like the why doesn't necessarily matter to people mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah. is great because you don't have to sit there justifying why you've used like silver diamantes on the fairy godmother's wings because at uni it'd be like well this design choice is because it relates to the 18th century france and how in that time they use this specific kind of crystal and you're the clients when like you're i don't care that's working <laughs> yeah when you're actually working they're like can you make it shinier for the kids <laughs> and you're like oh I mean, I love, I love like the intellectual side of design. Of course I do. But sometimes it drives me mental. And I'm like, can I just put diamantes on the wings? Can I just make them sparkly? I don't have to tell anyone why. I just need to put them there. (laughs) Oh gosh. It's crazy how I think in you and I, it's like, 
we feel so grown up, but like, yeah, we don't at the same time. It's oh, you know, yeah. It's like we're still twelve. Like I feel like I'm like, I know. oh, Lou, we've got, oh, I'm working. Are you working? Yeah, I'm working. Oh, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's insane. Oh gosh. Well, we have. I feel like we've barely scratched the surface, but we do need to wrap up time wise. Um, sorry, just tell me. Let's do this. Let's give yourself if you could go back and just talk to any of students, upcoming, past present anything what advice would you give to people in the design realm architectural design realm what would you sort of want to look back and say I think that what would I want to tell myself back then I think that for me it's like start making your own work um as soon as you can and don't wait for people to give you validation mm, that's deep. so yeah so let me unpack that for you <laughs> it's like tell me <laughs> I think for a long time like I would do these side projects because I loved them but was so conscious that they weren't good and like would you know you do all these drawings mm-hmm. and sketches and and or designs and you think that you have to reinvent the wheel and you have to be this incredible designer architect whatever it is and that you have to be better than everyone the truth of it is like you're not going to be that in uni nope but you it's the time to find your own voice and so use that time to make mistakes do do your own projects make stuff happen call people and be like I want to collaborate like Mm -hmm. you know and that's I think that's what I do a lot of now that makes me so happy is I um I just convince people that like to come on a journey with me and whether that's making animate like I've made two short films now that I've completely created and picked my team on and been like and one of them won an award didn't they yes. yeah yeah so one of our short films won two awards at the Utah Dance Film Festival which I was Amazing. actually a juror for this year I saw so that. I watched yep. it, like I watched a couple of hours of short films and um at the moment I'm I'm really stretching myself. I'm writing a crime fiction podcast. I just like, it doesn't surprise me, but I'm just like, you like your, of course, you've yeah, you got, you got your fingers in so many pies. Like you just yeah, love but, everything. But that's the way to, I think that's a really good way to be an artist. And I think that, you know, I, I had to learn the hard way that validation won't make me happy because you never get enough of it right like you have to accept that your work is good you have to stand by your own work because I had a couple of experiences where some of my designs got rejected and it just shook me and it made me it made me second guess my whole like my sense of self and my career and I just wish I could go back then and be like you need to stand by yourself and what other people say about your work like it's important to take the feedback and Mm -hmm. get better but it actually doesn't devalue your work it's just one of the best know? things my director said to me back when I was um fresh and very emotional and you'd know all about this um he said to me don't take things so personal in the yeah. sense that the criticism isn't on you as a person um you know he's like we all love you and you know you're good and mm-hmm. I'm just like oh, thank you um but yeah and ever since he told me that I was like okay so when someone says I don't like that room they're not saying I don't like you. They're just yeah, saying. That's the thing though. It is yeah. it's separating that. It's separating yeah. that, which is really hard when, you are, when you're a creator, when you're, when you're creating things, because when you're making things. Because we feel things so deeply yeah. and it's very emotional. And, you, and especially if you care about your work. And I think that, yeah, and that's the <laughs> you know? one thing. I was like, I wish I didn't care so much. And, you know, it's like, no, I, I care, but I just need to. Yeah. Separate it. Yeah. And it was part of growing up, you know, I, you just yeah. kind of need to figure out how to. Massively Um, part of growing up in the same way that like getting rejected in dating is the same, right? (laughs) It's like not always you, like you have to also stand by yourself and love yourself. And if someone rejects you, doesn't make you a terrible person. It just means that that wasn't right. You know, your art is the same. And I feel like, you know, when you're a student, it really feels like when you get a bad grade or um, bad feedback, it really feels like you failed that's it and I guess I just you know I mean we're still teenagers and our brains are developing but Mm. you really can't see the light at the end of the tunnel like it feels like it's never gonna get better but it does and that's why we're here today now telling exactly telling you it does get better and the other other tip the other thing that I would say for for me that that I think this is one of the reasons I've been like somewhat successful in some areas is because when I was at uni I 
like they talk about networking right like everyone oh, always talks about networking and it's N-word. like yep. it's like how do you do it blah 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 but I'm really lucky because it, it comes okay to me and I'm quite good at it now mm-hmm. because when I was at uni I looked at where I wanted to be in five years which what the companies were right so you've got these dream companies I memorized who their artistic directors were who their CEOs were who their designers were I reached out to those designers to start conversations following them on Instagram following them on whatever their channel was looking at their website every few months to see what new shows that they were doing like I studied the industry in Australia mm-hmm. and then when I felt like I was comfortable with that I studied the industry in London I studied the industry in all the companies in Europe that I wanted to work for and I learned the names of the people that have the career path that I wanted mm-hmm. and I learned the names of people who you know you're watching a movie and say you just like the costumes just blow you away you jump on IMDB you find out who did it you remember their name you buy their book you look at their TED talk you and like, you know, you surround yourself in these people. And so when you have these conversations, like you're at the party where you, 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 you know, and you look and you go, ah, that's that person. I've seen their headshot on Melbourne Theatre Company. Who the heck are they? And then you're in a conversation with them and you can go, like, you know, say you happen to have a conversation and you can be like, you don't get caught out. And then you can have a really well-known conversation going, yeah, I saw that show you did. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Or like, I saw that on Instagram. I follow you kind of thing in a non-stalker way, but in the way that's like, Everything's online these interested. days anyway. That's not a yeah. surprise be, anymore. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to be a part of an industry, no matter what industry it is, be oh, interested in it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Be interested in it yeah. and study the industry. Don't, don't think that you can do it alone. Mm-hmm. And don't think that you can do it without networking. And of course, networking is hard. Like I get it, but be interested in other people and ask people about themselves. Like you're doing to me right now. Like you've just spent an, like an hour talking to me about myself. <laughs> if you do that to anyone, they're going to respond well. Yeah. And that's, I think that's how you build a network and you keep tap, you keep track of those connections. And that, in that situation doesn't even have anything to do with your skills what they haven't seen no. drawing to anything like, I it's have like no idea you, about it's you. like can you have a conversation and you know for me I always told you this because I was always crying about how I didn't feel good at uni and that I was very um you know I was just an average student my didn't shine or anything like that um but mm. I always knew that I had um like my personality and my skills in just talking to people I knew I yeah. had value in that and I got it from my yeah. retail job so I was like I know I'm not good at... Oh my gosh, retail at- job's so good for you. Oh, I know, right? Yes. <laughs> and so that's I was the thing I was going to check out for like three years. Like, How I, I many get conversations it. did you have with those, you know, people? And I think that honestly is what saved me. It's like my skill, yeah. I, can, I can make that work, whatever. Like tell me yeah. what to do and I'll do it well. But you know, mm-hmm. yeah, the communication thing and, the, and talking to people and knowing who everyone is, that... Mm-hmm. Is, and being genuinely like interested in yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. You yeah, know, it is hard And work. I think definitely don't try and um, pretend to be interested in something. If you're not, if you don't like yeah. that sort of yep. style, then don't even go there because you'll yeah, look for don't. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just find the things that you love and then be interested in it and find the people that are doing that. And then the rest comes naturally. Yeah. And then, and then you'll find that, you know, like I wanted to be a costume and set designer. I still do, but now I'm doing animation. I'm looking into masters of animation courses. I'm living in London as a PA at a dance mm-hmm. company. Like it's not what I studied for, but it's all things that make me happy. I'm writing a podcast because I think, well, why not? Sounds fun. I have an idea. I had you the know. same idea. We had that at the yeah. same time. At the same time. Cause we're, cause we're, God, we're so, I will say that. Yeah. My podcast is, is, going to be ridiculous and very scripted so it's not going to be nearly as like fun slash casual on as the this. fly it's, yes but we're yeah, here for it <laughs> yeah i've got the nice mic got the f- fancy mic for a couple oh uh, yes so. the fancy mic always makes you feel really professional yeah oh, my goodness. You look well, at, i'm looking at you on zoom now and you <laughs> this is proper <laughs> well thank you for being my first international guest international you know, guest thank home, you very much. homegrown living it out in the uh, big london world um you like we didn't even scratch the surface i'm definitely going to have you back and we're just going to hatch out more of everything. yeah we'll do just more more of like live in candace life advice for sure <laughs> this yes. is what you need to do yes and what, of course, don't be still- like olivia <laughs> you know how was it you i don't know who gave me the name but did you used to call me oblivia was that you I don't think I, I actually don't think I called you names. No, you didn't. I never actually, even called. No. I don't even think I called you. Um, what was the name that all the boys called you? OBC. Not for the podcast. 
OBC. I was like, off podcast, yeah. but what was it OBC? I was like, yeah. I don't think I, I never did the name calling thing. I think I just laughed at you a couple of times, being like, oh, Liv. It still happens. It still happens. You know, being the youngest person in the office, it's a lot of, um, you haven't seen that movie? It's like, I was born in 94. I'm so sorry. I'm not 35 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I am like a decade younger than you. So please cut me some slack. But, you know, I'm filling the millennial role with my Instagram obsession and now the podcast thing. So, you know, it would be, they would just be lapping it up. I'm not sure. I'm not, I want to know right now. But anyways, we'll see. Thank you again and all the best in um, lockdown. We're all thinking of you and um, just hoping COVID goes away. But until then. One day it will. It will go away in its own time. In the meantime, I'll just keep upskilling. Exactly. Oh, can't wait to see what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Designer Journals podcast. If you'd like to show your support, please subscribe or follow along, share it with your friends or leave a rating or review. You can find more content on the Instagram page. Just search for at the Designer Journals. Catch you next time.